Hello and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I'm Harry Bliss, CEO and co-founder of Champion Health, and today we're joined by Dr. Sabrina Robinson, wellbeing strategist, chartered psychologist, and the wellbeing lead at Essex County Council. Sabrina's going to be talking about wellbeing strategies and how to make them more inclusive and more engaging across organizations like yours. Welcome to the podcast, Sabrina. Hello, Sabrina, how are you? Hello, Harry. I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. So really excited for today's conversation. Um, could you just kick off by telling us a little bit more around what your role as wellbeing lead at Essex County Council entails? Yeah, of course. So I work within our people and transformation function. So essentially, my role is to work on and lead on all areas in relation to workplace health and wellbeing. So I guess I'm seen as kind of the subject matter expert. So that's around providing advice and guidance and strategic thought leadership across the organisation. So also acting as our operational lead. So I lead on our services like our occupational health services, our employee assistance programme. Um, and I guess when I started in the role, it was about developing a holistic wellbeing strategy. So for me, that was working within people who work within people and transformation functions. So including our HR leaders, uh, recruitment, uh, looking at areas around retention, learning and development, uh, and soon to be actually working with our new inequality, diversity and inclusion leads. So really excited about that and the connection between those two areas. Uh, but I guess the reason for that is that we have a people plan. Uh, so this sets out our priorities for enabling how we can support our employees to grow and to develop and that they can deliver our services both now and for the future. Um, and I'm really pleased that now as part of our new people plan, a key element of that is about creating a healthy place to work. So that's where I get to kind of work with people across the organisation to ensure that we can achieve that really. Fantastic. And you mentioned um, around the diversity and inclusion piece, how important is it that equality, di diversity and inclusion is included within our well-being strategies and also our overall people strategy? So important and uh, for lots of different reasons. And I think there's a lot of interlinks between those two areas, particularly when we're looking at kind of diversity, inclusion and, and well-being. Um, for us at ECC, a big focus is about well-being for all. Uh, so that means really trying to understand the needs of our employees, how diverse they are, um, and obviously ensuring that any services or provisions that we have are appropriately uh, accessed as well. So even just recently, we're um, currently looking at our employee assistance programme and just simple things around accessibility, for example, and text relay and ensuring that our services uh, are there to meet the needs of our people. So really, really important. And you mentioned wellbeing for all. That's just something that stuck with me within there. Obviously, across Essex County Council, how many employees are there at the moment? Around 7,400. And a wide variety of demographics, I assume, and different types of, of yeah. worker within there. How do you achieve well-being for all through personalisation and, and empowerment? Yeah, I think there are a number of key things to me. And I think engaging with your people is really, really important. So, as I said, so that core part of our strategy was around well-being for all. It's about us being able to address the different challenges that people across the organization face and this is an area that i have to say is hard it's hard to keep that sustained engagement across organizations so for us we're looking at things like our data really understanding our people analytics so we can understand the needs of our people and the trends and how that changes thinking about the success of different programs that we put in place um, so just to give an example you know 75 percent of our employees are female um, many um, really engaged in our well-being agenda but obviously we have new needs coming up at different mm -hmm. points so 
we try to tally up what we're doing internally with obviously what we're doing as a public uh, sector organisation externally as well. So we have a strategy called Everyone's Essex, and a huge part of that is around kind of sustainability. Um, so there was a real big interest in thinking about how can we link sustainability and well-being. And one of the areas that we've really tried to champion recently uh, is something called the Love Your Period campaign. So this is about using sustainable period products um, and not necessarily something that you would have as part of your well-being offer. But actually, this is what our people wanted. So we ensured that we could share information about that and and how they can get engaged as individuals, but also how they can support their family members and their friends as well, uh, particularly given some of the financial pressures. I think these sorts of areas are that people are interested in now it's something you mentioned as well within there and i love that campaign by the way um first of all um but you mentioned what your people wanted mm-hmm. how important is that listening piece because that's something that we often see is missed off things are done to rather than done with um yeah. how important is that listening piece for you at ecc yeah for me that's that's key and as really central to everything that we do so uh, you know when i talk about collaboration and impact that's about ensuring that our initiatives are you know, people-led, that we look at the research evidence, that we're looking at having regular feedback loops of our people. So if there's things that aren't working, then obviously we can hear that. But obviously, if there are things that are working really well, we want to hear those positives so that we can build on that. Um, We're really trying to work at the minute around looking at improving our data collection so that we can really track those trends over time. But also, if we look at each quarter, for example, if we're seeing things like we have a performance suite which looks at well-being so we'll look at things like our access to our EAP uh the number of mental health first aiders we have you know how many people are accessing our online systems for different topics and we get to see some trends we might see a spike in mental health for example so we know that we would need to do something to address those needs and it's not easy but it's certainly something we're really trying to strive to so that we can understand that and and keep engaged with our people which is part of our governance structure as well and engagement's a key theme across the whole of the workplace health space. Um, yeah. What specific things have you put in place to, first of all, get engagement and then second of all, sustain engagement? Is there anything specific that you could share with our audience that you've done that they may may consider going forwards? Yeah, so I just mentioned about our governance structure. So because of that element of uh, having leadership buy-in, but also looking at that collaboration and impact and that sense of what we call my well-being so that's around how can we engage individuals how do they how are they supported to take that personal responsibility our governance structure is really important in terms of trying to create that culture um so we have quarterly meetings where we have people from a range uh, of areas across the organization whether it be within functions or specific areas like health and safety who get to kind of give an insight really as to what's working across different areas, their views around new things that we might need to put in place, pressures within a particular function. So if we look at places like health and social care, there's lots of new pressures that are coming out in those areas. Um, So that's kind of one of our structured ways of ensuring that we keep that collaboration going and that we can keep people engaged. Uh, but then obviously it's looking at other areas. So we have wellbeing champions. So those are people who are based within their function. They understand their colleagues uh, and they really do act as our champions. You know, it's sharing everything that we're doing. Um, if we need to get stories from people, for example, or get some feedback, then they will be the ones that help to go out and do that because we're quite a small team. We can't do all of that engagement ourselves. So it's used utilising people from across the organisation. And with that Champions Network, what does that really entail for them? Because I've heard certain people say that I've got my day job, I've got my own KPIs to be able to hit, and then I've got the Wellbeing Champion stuff on top. How does that work? And, and how do you get that buy-in as well from those individuals? Yeah, 
I think it is really about it's it's what the individual wants to give. We have a remit for our champions and that's quite broad. Um, so some might be quite involved and kind of, you know, getting involved in specific projects. Like at the minute, we're reviewing our approach to mental health first aid as an example. Uh, but for others, it could literally be we've got a campaign going on and they share information with their colleagues. So it's literally about the amount of time that they can give. Um, we're certainly working particularly amongst our employee networks and we have a much more structured approach to those. Uh, and I think that helps because it means that people have a certain amount of time that they can give to priorities across the organisation. Uh, so they know if we're going to our employee networks, they know they've got that time there to really engage mm. with it. Uh, and it's not just kind of a, you know, a lip service thing. We're making sure we are truly engaging and that it is part of our organisational structure. And I think I can just hear that in terms of how passionate you are about this whole space, that it's it's not lip service. And I know you've got the, the senior board buy-in as well, which is super mm -hmm. important as well. Um, a question that I've got for you, and this is really a personal one that I want to find out more around. And I don't think anyone's cracked it necessarily, but I'd love to just ask it to you. It's around workload. Mm -hmm. And what we see is the main site of work-related stress is around mm -hmm. workload. What can we do around workload? Is there anything that you've looked into specifically within your role? Or is that something that's really tough to crack um, to be able to improve work-related stress? It's definitely tough to crack. And I think for us, that was about how we create a embedded wellbeing culture. So I guess the easiest way is I can give an example. So for me, I might have the flexibility to work from home, to you know go on a nice long walk during my lunch break. But if when I come back to my desk, I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed, I've got back-to-back -back meetings, you haven't really changed anything about your well-being culture. So trying to kind of make that shift is really about not just me shifting my behavioural patterns, but actually as an organisation, how are we looking at how we design roles? What is the, our culture around things like meetings? A shift in what pro productivity means. Essentially, it's about embedding well-being in everything that you do. And it's not easy. It's not easy at all. But for me, that's what well-being strategy should be about. Um, so it's not just your interventions, which are important, but it really is how you operate and how you work as an organisation. I couldn't agree anymore. And that's one of the big things that we look at, even as an interventions in a service-based business, we need yeah. that, the policies, procedures um, to, to be in place in order to, to be able to really embed well-being across the organisation. Now, I'd love to just ask you one final question around where is workplace health evolving for you? It's come on leaps and bounds in the last few years, yeah. let alone the last five or 10 years. In the next couple of years, what trends can you really see coming out and what excites you in the space? Yeah, I think excites is a good word because <laughs> I think there's been a lot of shifts in workplace well-being, particularly over the last few years, and it's been great to see that. Um, in terms of where I think things will go, both for us as an organisation, but obviously for others as well, I think there are a number of key themes. So first of all, it is about having that strategic focus. So, uh, you know, as we've touched on, I think organisations are moving away from just having the intervention side. It is thinking about having that robust strategy, um, ensuring that well-being is embedded right across the employee life cycle. So right from before even a person has joined your organisation, they should have some understanding about your approach. You know, how am I going to be supported? What is your well-being culture? What are the key things that you're looking at to ensure that my workplace experience is a positive one and I can contribute to your end goal uh, and, and moving to that is about how can well-being be embedded in such a way that you're providing a better service so for us that's about ensuring that we're supporting the residents of Essex but for others that might be creating revenue but I think a second there I guess is around people analytics which I've touched on a, a couple of times but 
it's quite a hard area, but I think people are becoming much more interested in looking at that data. You can't just say, oh, you know, we've done great in this area, we've had really great success, but you don't have the evidence to back that up. Uh, so using that people analytics and data is really, really important. Um, and obviously, as I mentioned about kind of tracking those trends and keeping yourself informed in relation to that. I think another area is about technology. We're, you know, we're in a new world. Things have really shift o- shifted over the last few years. We are becoming much more reliant on technology, particularly as organisations move into hybrid working. And although I think that poses some challenges, I do think there are some opportunities to leverage that technology as well. So that could be around simple things like how do we use technology to help build social connections or how can we improve our service offer and make it easier to access? So those are just a few things, I think, kind of key shifts that we might see over the next few years. Fantastic. Sabrina, this podcast isn't long enough um, and I've got so many more questions that I'd love to put your brain on going forward. So we'll have to get you on again at some point. But I just want to say a massive thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed it. For more exclusive insights and content around workplace wellbeing, please subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.